0: Amen. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for blessed is the one who puts their trust in Jesus, our Savior, your Son. And Father, we who have placed our faith in him draw near to bless you for you have blessed us. And God, we pray that as we open up your book now that we, as we study your word, that you will teach us more of the the greatness of our blessing through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, as we uh, study, give us an understanding of the, of the nature of this blessing, the extent of it, how we can be sure of our attaining it, so that we would live in, in confidence and in hope as those who belong to you of our blessings in Christ. God, may your spirit fill us, teach us, cause your word to go forth, not return void, but accomplish exactly that which you purpose it to do in the lives of every hearer here. Father, may your spirit teach us now. Show us more of yourself, more of your truths, that we would grow in love for you. These things we pray, in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, um, you, will you please take them and turn with me to the Book of Numbers this morning? Numbers chapter six, verse twenty-two through twenty-seven is where we'll be. Numbers chapter six, verse twenty-two to twenty-seven. Last week or last time we looked at numbers six one through twenty-one, uh, and that was the the law of the of the Nazarite. And uh, hopefully we you can remember that and the blessings that that was. But today we're going to look at the the last part of chapter six, and really it kind of uh, it brings an end to our, our uh, this kind of the first section, uh, the the setting of the first section really. Uh, in chapter seven, it's gonna the setting is going to change again, and uh, we'll be looking at uh, so a, a different a different section. So Numbers chapter six, verse twenty-two to twenty-seven. If you if you haven't been with us. Uh, and, then, uh, and you want to get caught up, you, you can always find all these sermons on, online on our website. But if you only listen to one, listen to uh, the first one, just as that's a, which is our introduction to numbers. All right. Number Now 27 Now, you may, many of you, uh, well, some of you, may, I'm looking around the room now, some of you, many of you probably, though, remember the year 2000, remember that year, uh, the Y2K, you know, we're all worried about, a little bit before that, we're all worried about, oh, are all the computers going to crash and they're all going to die, you know, remember that? Uh, does anybody remember that? Anyways, uh, that was the thing. It passed, uh, thankfully. But um, in the year two thousand, um, besides the Y two K, a little book was uh, was published based on a, an obscure prayer uh, in the Bible. This book that was published became an international bestseller, selling over nine million copies. Nine million copies. And you know, you, most likely your library has one of these copies. I know my library has a copy somewhere. But it was, uh, it was it was it uh, was so well received. It actually uh, received the Evangelical Christian Publishers Association Gold Medallion Book of the Year in 2001. So this was no you know small book. It was actually it was a New York Times bestseller even. Uh, so uh, it was a popular book. It was entitled uh, "The Prayer of Jabez." Maybe some of you guys have read it. Breaking and but the the the, the subtitle was "The Prayer of Jabez: Breaking Through to the Blessed Life." breaking through to the blessed life. And the basic premise of the book was that Christians who daily for a period of a month or 30 days prayed this prayer of Jabez that's found in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 to 10. If you prayed that prayer, then you would experience breakthrough, breakthrough to uh, the blessed life. You would experience God's blessing as, in a sense, uh, you, were, you were looking for, you were, you were meant to. And uh, now, It was very popular, of course. Nine million books sold, uh, and like all evangelical fads, it, it came and went. But, uh, but not after, not before a whole flurry of, of Christian uh, merchandise marketing. You know, uh, you know, prayer of Jabez uh, keychains and prayer of Jabez mugs and prayer of Jabez you know journals and all that stuff. Just like every evangelical fad, uh, it has the whole the whole gamut. And, uh, but it came and it went. Is it because uh, people no longer need god 's blessing. is it because maybe the nine million christians well that's how many there were sold at least they had bought the book and, and they read it and they, and, they, and they prayed or, and they prayed for thirty days and, and they got the blessing that they that they needed They found the breakthrough and so they saw oh, we 're all good now. We never need to buy another book again about how to live the victorious Christian life, or is it more likely that uh, having read all of that um, that they found that that it did not provide what they were looking for it did not work and while the prayer uh, the prayer of jabez is a legitimate prayer it's a it's a good prayer it's uh, it's uh, it was a it was prayed prayed in faith by a man named jabez Yet, with due respect to the author of the book, Dr. Bruce Wilkinson was his name, a, a very godly man who actually founded the Walk Through the Bible Ministries. If you, many of you guys remember Walk Through the Bible Ministries, a uh, very good ministry. I, I appreciated it. Uh, taught me much of the Bible when I was younger. But with due respect to him, even, the premise that God's blessing would come through the rote or repeated prayer of an obscure biblical figure in the Old Testament. Was a misapplication of scripture. That the prayer of Jabez was not meant to be read, and then as a as a secret or as a key to if you repeat this prayer, you will experience blessing in your life. Well, if it was only that simple, just pray this prayer 30 times 30 days for 30 period, 30 days in a row, and you'll get blessed. Wouldn't that be awesome? That's so easy. It's just like if you exercise for 30 days in a row, you're gonna be you're gonna be super fit, you'll never have to exercise again fantastic. But it's not like it doesn't work that way. The Christian life doesn't work. It doesn't isn't meant to be worked that way. And while perhaps not the intention of the book, those who tried it and, and found that it was lacking were, pro, were most likely guilty of violating Jesus' warning in Matthew 6-7, where Jesus says, and when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Blessing does not come from repeated prayer, even of meaningful words, much less here meaningless words. With this in mind, today I want to look at a prayer of blessing in Numbers chapter 6. It's a, the it's a Aaronic blessing, the priestly blessing. It was a prayer that the, air, the priests of, of Israel were to pray as a blessing upon the nation Israel throughout their, their years, for, uh, throughout their ministries. And we look at this prayer of blessing because it instructs these, these priests how to regularly uh, pray this blessing upon the people of God. And as we study this very beautiful prayer of blessing, it's, it's uh, po- poetically, it's, it's beautiful. We're going to learn, not the, in a sense, not uh, a prayer to repeat like the prayer of Jabez. Okay? Don't, don't, make, don't get, make the mistake of saying, oh, if I will re- or, you know, pray this prayer for the next 30 days, I will get blessing. That's, that's not the intention of this verse. But we're going to learn instead essential truths, observations we can make about this text regarding the blessing of the Lord so that we would learn how we ourselves might have confidence and hope that we will see the Lord's blessing as well. So this prayer blessing, we're going to study it. We're going to see how it leads us to understand how we, as the people of God today might have assurance and certainty of the Lord's blessing in our lives. So, a little background uh, before we jump right into the text or the out, give you the outline uh, of our, our proposition today. After the first census of Israel, this is Numbers, follows Israel's wandering in the wilderness. The first four chapters covered this, this census that uh, God told Israel to do number of the soldiers, number of the priests, and then organize them in this way, learn how to camp this way, learn how to, how to uh, march this way. And then in chapters 5 and 6, he began giving them instructions about how to deal with sin in their lives. Chapter 5 described uh, what to do when you are defiled by sin, how to handle sin that inevitably comes into the camp. And then chapter 6 talks about what do you do if you want to devote your life particularly to the Lord? Beyond what the priests, beyond what the Levites could do, what if you as an individual wanted to devote yourself to a a period of holy service unto the Lord? How can you do that? And there was the law of the Nazarite in chapter 6. So now we arrive then at this part, uh, that, uh, this part where at the conclusion of, uh, of this section where God instructs the, the, the priests how to pray uh, this, this blessing upon the nation that was called by the Lord. It would become a repeated prayer among the Israelites. It would become just as famous as you and I might know, many of us have memorized the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name that kingdom come, etc. Any you know that one? This, the Lord bless you, and keep you there. Many of them would memorize this prayer and they would pray it and they would, and they would write it on little scrolls and they wrap up and they put into uh, things in, in, their, in, their door, in their door frames or they would put it in uh, something that they might attach to some tassels of, the, of their garments. And these became uh, things that they would put on uh, their, their homes, much as we put scriptures on, in our artwork in our homes. It is, it is a, a benediction of a prayer it's a it's a prayer of blessing then that was not only fitting for the very quite fitting for the people of god then but i hope we'll, as we look at it, it's a it's a prayer of blessing that is fitting for the people of god today for you and me as the people of god those who follow the lord the lord love the lord today this blessing in in many ways continues to be applicable to us all right so we're gonna look then at this outline now here's the our outline today three observations of this priestly prayer blessing that teach us of our hope for the Lord's blessing upon his people today. So this hope that we have of God's blessing and this, the observation for this prayer will give us hope that we can receive blessing too. All right, so um, let's take a look then at these three points, these three observations of priestly prayer. Now, I'll be reading the text within the sermon. First, first of all, the first observation of this priestly prayer that we make is that blessing, the blessing of the Lord comes through or is mediated through priests. A blessing, this blessing is, comes through the priests or it's mediated through the priests. Look at verses 22 and 23 of Numbers chapter 6 with me. This is, then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying... Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel, you shall say to them. So this was clear, this is clearly again the Lord's instruction. This is the Lord's word. The Lord is speaking here. This is no mistake, no opinion of man, but the word of God. God's given this instruction. And he speaks to Moses. Remember, Moses always had this free access with God um, that was just unique. Moses was really you um, know, we could really speak of Moses being one of the, the greatest prophet ever lived, except for Jesus Christ. He had free access to God, and uh, but yet he was. The Scriptures speak of Moses being the most humble man. So the Lord spoke to Moses and say, and Moses would then give this instruction to Aaron and to his sons, that is, to the priests who would then pronounce this blessing. So this is uh, and, and the Aaron and his sons, they are the priests of Israel, right? Remember that they are the priests. Their task as priests was to be, were to be mediators between God and the people. That's not just with the Israelite religion, but even all the other religions of the world at that time, there were certain priests or priestesses who would act as mediators between the God or gods and the people. They would be mediate in offering sacrifices, and then they would mediate back to the people by saying, oh, this is what God says, this is what God has pronounced, this is what God wants you to do, etc." cetera. Uh, and, that, and that basically, that's the role of mediation. In First Chronicles 23-13, we see this very good summary of what the priests of Israel were called to do. First Chronicles 23-13, I'll put it up here for you. Now, the sons of Amram um, were Aaron and Moses. And Aaron was set apart to sanctify him as most holy, he and his sons forever. And then we see three phrases that describe the, the, the role of the priests, Aaron and his sons. To burn incense before the Lord, to minister to him and to bless in his name forever, to burn incense before the Lord reminds us of their task to basically light the incense daily in that's uh, in the in the altar of incense that is in the ho- most in the holy place inside the tabernacle. They were to light it, and by the way, it's... The incense was is not more than just incense. All of the different elements of the tabernacle the ta- had a significance. And the burning of incense was a symbol of the prayers of God's people. So even as they burn incense, hopefully those priests were responding rightly and understanding that the incense was meant to be a reflection of prayer. And they themselves were praying to the Lord uh, on behalf of, of, the, of Israel. Uh, secondly, they were to minister to him. They were to serve him. And they were to serve him in all the ways that the priests served. They they were ones who would basically receive the animals. They would receive, they they slaughter them and, and kill them and, and basically offer them. They would take them from the hand of of the um, the offer worshippers and then offer them to the Lord. And then they would, in response, oftentimes uh, minister on behalf of the Lord to convey to the people, well, oh, you are now cleansed, or your sins are now forgiven, or uh, you are now to do this, or to. They were to inspect. So they were all to do fulfill all the rules that Exodus Leviticus had for the priests. Now, that's a broad category. But thirdly, we see that they were to bless in his name, that they were to pronounce a blessing in God's name, presumably upon the people of God, forever. And that's what we see here in Numbers chapter 6. God gives a specific instance of how the priests were to fulfill the role in blessing the people of God in his name forever. And so this would be a repeated prayer Throughout the history of uh, Israelite worship, and we see that uh, we see that come, conveyed in God's instructions to Moses to speak to Aaron, saying, "Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. Thus, in this way, you will you shall bless the sons of Israel." As mediators, they uh, they might have been uh, we we think of priests as primarily offering sacrifice to the Lord, but here we see by this instruction that they uh, are mediators and that they convey instructions, convey uh, this blessing from God to people. And uh, this Hebrew word for bless is mentioned uh, three times in this passage. It's a key word, verse 23, you shall bless. Verse 24, the Lord bless you. In verse 27, God himself says, I will bless them. The word uh, bless is the Hebrew word barak, So that's a good name. Uh, It means blessing to bless. It appears 300 plus times in the Old Testament. And interestingly, a fifth of all of its appearances are found in the book of Genesis. You ever read the book of Genesis? You just got to start reading there. You're going to notice just notice how many times that word bless shows up in Genesis. It's a very key term in that book as well. And so it's not surprising that we find it's, uh, much, the, significance, the significance of this word grounded in much of what is promised in the book of Genesis. The word, in fact, appears in Genesis 1, when God blessed the animals, God blessed mankind in telling them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. In fact, when you look at Genesis, you, you study it and find the first five times the word appears in Genesis, who is the one doing the blessing? God is one. God is the source of the blessing. God is the blessing. God bless. He blessed. And, and this is how we tend to think of blessings. The blessings come from God. That God is the one who does the blessing. But there are occasions in the Old Testament when man is the one who is doing the blessing. Now, in the majority of cases, when man blesses, we, t- uh, we tend to think of it as man, is, as man blessing God. Uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Psalm 103. You know, we, think of that. we think of that passage. Um, um, even Noah does so in Genesis nine twenty six when he says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. When man blesses God, it is in the it's not sense that we are pronouncing like some that we're gonna give some blessing to God that God needs from us, but it's a pronouncement of that God that God is a source of blessing. It's it's almost in the sense of praise. When we bless the Lord, it's praising him for being the one who blesses, really. But there are also times where man blesses another man. And that's what we see here in number six. But it's, no, uh, it's, it's, it's not insignificant that the first time we see a man blessing another man in the Bible is in Genesis 14, verse 19. Now forward to Genesis fourteen. It's kind of an obscure chapter. We don't think about it too much. But uh, Abraham or Abram's Lot, nephew Lot had been captured by these kings who had come in to the land. They captured Lot. They took him and uh, enslaved him. And Abram lay, leads his men and they defeat those five kings and they deliver and they rescue Lot and they bring him back to the to the promised land. But as uh, Abram res- returns, he is met by a man named Melchizedek. We're told that he's the king of some town called Salem. Uh, and he's the priest of God Most High. So he was a priest of God even before there were such things as Levitical priests, Aaronic priests. There was this man named Melchizedek who, um, and he blesses Abraham, and he came and blessed Abram, and Abram gave him an offering. Now, in a similar manner, and in a very similar manner, and there's no, it's there's no mistake in it. It's intentional. In fact, the priests. Now the Levitical priests are called to offer a prayer of blessing upon the people of God, upon the descendants of Abraham. There is a there is a clear pattern. There's a uh, here that we see that the blessing which ultimately comes from the Lord, that God wants as in in choosing Melchizedek to bless Abram, in choosing the priests to bless the Israelites. He is showing a pattern that he wants the Israelites to learn. You know, he could have very well just said, hey, all the Israelites, he could have told Moses, Moses, tell all the Israelites to pray this prayer, you know, that they would pray this prayer. But instead he says, Moses, tell the priests to pray this prayer on behalf of the the people of God. Is that in it, God is teaching a lesson that blessing comes through a mediator. It comes through Melchizedek to Abram, comes through the priests to the descendants of Abraham. And if you know your book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 7, Hebrews chapter 5, you'll know that Melchizedek, you'll know that uh, Aaron, uh, the descendants of Aaron, these priests are all really, really, they're pointing to Jesus Christ, the ultimate high priest, who is our mediator. And so, uh, while blessing comes uh, from the Lord, the 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 blessing from the Lord comes through a mediator, and it is mediated through the prayers of of a priest. Whether it's Melchizedek, or the Levitical priest, or of course our great high priest, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to mediate God's blessing. And if you think about Jesus, that's that's what he was all about. He came to be a blessing. He came to, when he came and he preached uh, at least the first major sermon that Jesus is recorded as preaching in the Gospel of Matthew called the Sermon on the Mount, which we read our call to worship, how does he begin his sermon? With the Beatitudes, with blessing. He says, blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus pronounced blessing upon God's people because he, he had arrived. But eventually, of course, we know that Jesus not only mediated God's blessing through his, his words, through instructions, but he mediated the blessing of the Lord by his life, by the life he lived, ministering to others, but also ultimately sacrificing himself on the cross for our sins. You see, we do not need human priests to mediate God's blessing to us today. We don't need it. Israel needed it. What we need, brothers and sisters, is the priest, the high priest, Jesus Christ, who mediates God's blessing to us? We have Jesus. We don't need priests for God's blessing. We need Jesus Christ for the Lord's blessing, and we see this, and we have this confidence of this when we uh, when we consider uh, elsewhere in Hebrews how he writes this this describes his confidence. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. By the way, it doesn't say here, but where is Jesus right now? He's passed through the heavens. He's at the right hand of God the Father. Even there, he's interceding for us. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus, I love that. It's so human. Jesus understands our weaknesses. But one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. He understands, but he never gives in there's hope for us we he knows the things we wrestle with the agonies the trials the afflictions the times we're tempted to to fall away but we can learn from jesus example and not sin and so therefore when we're facing affliction when we're facing weakness when we're facing trials let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace you have you have access to the blessings of the lord that we may receive mercy that we may say find grace to help in time of need we, you know, when we need God's mercy and God's grace, we all have access to that blessing through our mediator, Jesus Christ. Blessing comes through Jesus and his prayers on our behalf. Jesus oftentimes prayed in the garden. He prayed for us. There are many times in the, in the New Testament he prayed for, for us. He prayed us for us in the garden that we would all be one in his high priestly prayer, uh, even as the father and he are one. And even now, he continues to intercede at the right hand of God the Father for us, Romans 8, 34. See, the surety of God's blessing today is not because of anything we do, anything or pray, or, or through any other human mediator. The blessings of the Lord are found through Jesus Christ and what he has done and what he says. Now, that's the first lesson from this, and that's really not the main point, but we arrive into the main part of this, of this text Our second observation from the priestly prayer is that not only is the blessing through priests, uh, through a mediator, but the blessing is from the Lord. And this really is the main point of this prayer prayer of blessing, that when these priests prayed this prayer repeatedly over the people of God, it was meant to to teach them that blessing comes from the Lord. And we read in verse 24, 26, this repeat, this beautiful prayer of blessing that the priests were to pray. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. You see that uh, you can't help but miss it. You just make your observations. You notice there's great parallelism here. God doesn't, uh, he didn't need to repeat his name. But God's name is mentioned three times in this passage at the very beginning of, e- of each line: the Lord, the Lord, the Lord." Clearly, those, these blessings come from who? From the Lord. And you'll notice too that following the, the, the Lord in each verse, there are two verbs, there are two prayers, the are two might call invocations, the two requests or uh, invocations or prayers. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord uh, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. There's a parallelism here. And the scholars have studied this, and they've tried to figure out what, what's the, the connection. And, and, and I believe that it's as, uh, as some of the scholars do that the first verb in each of these, uh, these couplets are describing a request of God to basically turn towards his people to turn his attention towards his people to, to focus on them uh, times the scholars use it 's to move it 's a a, verb, a request of movement towards basically in an anthropomorphic way, describing God to refoc- uh, focusing his attention on the people of God uh, and then the second verb is then a specific request in light of god 's turning his attention to his people, then the sp- second request is that as a request for God to act. On behalf of his people. So it's the request, the action is focused in, this, in the second verb of each couplet. And so we can f- summarize then these, this prayer blessing that the priests were to pray in, in three ways, in, in three kind of three, uh, as a threefold blessing with three parts. First of all, the blessing of the Lord, from the Lord, is a blessing of protection. Is a blessing of protection. We see this in verse 24 The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord bless you and keep you. It's such a simple prayer, uh, simple. It's, it's, uh, but it's uh, it's just it's it's full. It's packed with uh, with uh, with biblical truth, uh, especially in light of where Israel was at at this time. Now, the Lord's blessing. Whenever we see the t- this terminology of the Lord blessing, the, particularly Israel, uh, many Israelites, and hopefully many of us people of God today, as we study the Bible long enough, when you think of blessing upon the people of God, our thoughts and their thoughts for sure would have, should have, ought to turn to the the very first time that God promises to bless uh, the people of God, the the nation of Israelites. And that would be the Abrahamic covenant. You remember in Genesis chapter 12, God had called Abram, a man out of Ur of Chaldees, no particular special thing about him, but God just called him and said, go and uh, leave your land and go to a place I'm going to show you. He doesn't even tell you where he's going to go. Just just go, leave your home and go to a place I'm going to show you. Go to a place where I'm going to bless you. And there he he says that in uh, Genesis 12, he says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and so you shall be a blessing. God had promised Abraham that he would make him into a great nation and that God would bless him so that then he would be a blessing to others. This promise was not just only to Abram, but it would be to his descendants as well. It was given to him not because he did any one particular thing. It was given to him unequivocally, unilaterally, not based on, not based on anything that he would ever do. And here in the priestly prayer was a reminder then of God's promise to bless them as descendants of Abraham. The Lord bless you. It was meant to be an encouragement, as the priest pronounced it, that the Lord bless you. And They remembered, yes, the Lord bless you. Why? Because the Lord promised to bless. He promised to bless our father. He promised to make him into a great nation. He promised to, uh, to make us a blessing to the families, all the families of the earth. But Consider that where the Israelites were at in the moment of Numbers chapter 6. As a nation, they had just left slavery 400 years of slavery in Egypt, they had come out of Egypt, and they were basically a people without a land, homeless. They were homeless. They were, except for what, who they had, what they had with them, and what they carried out of Egypt. They were defenseless, resourceless. They didn't have much in the desert. If you go to the desert, you know, you're gonna, in, in Israel, it's it's a desolate place. It's not even smooth kind of desert. It, it's rocky desert, you know, rocky kind of ground. Just, it, it'll hurt if you fall into some of these things. It's a miserable, it would be a dangerous place. And not only that, but as they had come out of Egypt, they had just escaped with their lives. They didn't, even though they came out of Egypt, remember what happened and when they got to the, Red, to the Red Sea? Pharaoh came with his army. And if it were not for, for Pharaoh coming, if it were not for the Lord acting, they would have died at the hands of Pharaoh, but God delivered them. And then, only that, when they crossed the Red Sea, and then for a period of three months, they wandered around in the desert until they arrived at Sinai, where they'd been now for the last nine, ten months or so. And now, before them laid the process of journeying through the remainder of the Sinai desert toward a promised land in the midst of unknown. Hostile enemies. And the natural fear for any human being, us included, would be if the Lord was going to bless them, they would need God to protect them. They would need protection. They would need protection from to stay alive. They they need God to keep them alive, to keep them safe from dangers. And so that's why the second request comes, the Lord uh, the second pronouncement of blessing comes, the Lord bless you and keep you. God wants his people to know that the Lord will bless you and keep you. That word keep means to guard, to watch, to protect. In fact, we see in the history of Israel, we see that God has always been keeping Israel. If you recall, it was because of the great famine in Joseph's days that the Lord protected Israel's family of 70 from starvation by sending them even into Egypt, where they received the blessings of of Joseph's success there. And though there they became, a re- they became enslaved at the hands of sinful men, even though man intended that for evil, God intended for good. For God kept them still from ever being wiped out, even though they were slaves and their lives were worthless. God preserved that family of 70 and made them a, f- a family of 2 million plus. A mighty nation. And God kept them from Pharaoh's threat. And even unknown to them at this point, the Lord would continue to keep them for the next 40 years as they wandered around in the wilderness where there was little food, little water, little protection, except what the Lord God provides for them. And so they hear this blessing, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, would have been an encouragement to the Israelites that their protection comes from the Lord, that the Lord's blessing upon them is a blessing of protection. As sure as the Lord had promised to bless Abraham and his sons, he would also protect, his, protect them from dying of starvation and thirst while wandering in the wilderness. The blessing of the Lord is a, is a blessing of protection, as a protection of, of perishing for the Israelites. But secondly, this blessing of the Lord, from the Lord for the Israelites, was also a blessing of provision. It's a promise. It's a it's, it's a it's a promise of provision a, from the Lord. The Lord, we read in verse twenty five, the Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. Although God is spirit and does not have a physical body like you or me, we see here the use the description of God having a face. And we and if you know your Bible, you heard it long enough. You know that this is basically use of anthropomorphic language. They're using terminology of, of that's descriptive of man to use to describe God's actions, God's interactions with mankind. And this, this, the Lord's face here shining on you is a description, really, is intended to be a description of God's delight, God's, uh, God's joy, God's favor upon you. You know this whole picture of, shi- of a shining face, the Lord's face shining. We we, we see some of that, an idea of that even when we talk, when we talk in our English language about people's face shining. Have you ever seen a person's first person's face shine? No. You know that's, <laughs> um, I was going to make a joke about you know the skin cleanser I've been using, uh, but you know have you noticed the shine in my face, the tighter, you know, you know, uh, yes, but no, I won't make that joke. But anyways. If you've, uh, if you, if you ever get to go to weddings, many of you probably do. In fact, some of you might be going to a wedding today. Who knows? Who knows? Hope you guys enjoy yourselves. Um, watch this. Watch for this. And I get, I know, it, when, when is the time when, um, when is probably the most significant moment in the ceremony? Yeah, we can make an argument for the. I would make an argument for the vows. You know, I think that's pretty significant. But you know what? When is the period of time when everybody stands? When the doors open in the back and the bride comes in, right? Please, ladies and gentlemen, please rise. And listen for that. That means something special is happening. And everybody's eyes is focused on the bride, and rightfully so, because she is adorned in all her glory, in her greatest beauty. She is there entering in. And everybody's eyes are focused on her. But if you get a chance that you look at her face, take a time to look at the man's face, the groom's face. Grooms, you remember that moment? I'll I'm, I'm bet. Let me no brothers, can you forget that moment when your the door is open and it was your bride who was coming in? I hope you have you I have I've seen many men, and I see oftentimes I see a man with his face shining. He is overjoyed at the sight of his bride coming in. That's that's the face that's shining. It's full of joy, full of delight at seeing his bride enter. Another time you might see a face shining is at Christmas time, on Christmas morning, you know, uh, with the children in your home. Um, and, you know, you've been denying them, opening their gifts up to this point. Uh, say, no, you can't open. No, don't touch those gifts. Put it back, put it back down. You know, put it down. Don't, don't even open it. <laughs> and then when they open those gifts, their face shines, right? It's just delight. It's joy that finally seeing something that they, they love. That's this picture of a face shining. It's, it's, it's a picture of of, of of uh, of joy and delight, and hopefully, and and so for the Lord to make His face shine on you, the Lord shine His face on you is the is the request. Is another way of saying that the Lord would delight and find joy and show favor on you uh, towards you. You know, you can tell if, if, if facial expressions say a lot, right? You know, stand before a judge or jury and their faces are stern or empty. You ever standing before them? Oh, you probably ought not to expect a, a favorable outcome. But if you saw their faces were, were smiling or pleasant, they're nodding at you. Or they might even, no, they won't do that. You would expect probably a favorable outcome. When God's face shines on you, you can expect to receive God's favor upon you. God's favor and God's grace. That's what really God's undeserved favor it's not because you did anything but it's it's god's grace and so the second request is for the lord to be gracious the lord shine his face on you and be gracious to you to, to show grace to you to show mercy towards you to show you what to show you favor that is undeserved is the word to show you favor and provide for you what is lacking or what is needed in your life in our lives in this fall sometimes we need strength Sometimes we need wisdom. Sometimes oh, we, lack, uh, we lack discipline. And these things that we need, we can look to the Lord and in his favor, in his grace, when he shines his face upon it, he gives it to us. But oftentimes in the Psalms, what is needed is, what, uh, what is most uh, emphasized is salvation. Salvation from, from danger, from enemies, from affliction. In Psalm 80, in fact, the request of the Lord's face to shine upon you is actually made three times in, this, in that psalm. So it becomes a key, a key psalm in trying to interpret rightly what it means for the Lord's face to shine upon you. But there we see in Psalm 80, verse 3, these, this promise, uh, the first of the, of the three, parents, three occurrences, O oh God, restore us. Restore us basically to, a, to right relation with you, Lord. Cause your face to shine upon us and we will be saved throughout the 40-year journey of Israel in the desert, uh, she would need to be reminded of the Lord's provision for their every need. They would have many times where they would grumble and complain because they thought they needed something that the Lord was not giving them. But the priestly prayer would remind them, the Lord has promised to shine his face upon you. The Lord has promised to give you his grace and be gracious to you how do we know that because this prayer is not just a prayer that the priest made up this prayer that i'm pronouncing upon you is what the lord god tells us as priests to pronounce upon you god is not asking us to pray something for you that he's not going to answer god gives us his prayer so we could tell you this is what god god wants us to pray over you to bless you with so you would know that god's going to answer this prayer that he will provide Finally, there's a third aspect of this blessing from the Lord, and that blessing from the Lord not only is a blessing of protection, not only is a blessing of provision, but it's a blessing of peace, of peace. The third line in verse 26 says, The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The word for countenance is actually, if you look in your footnotes, probably in your Bibles, it will translate itself as, it's literally the word face. It's the exact same word in the previous verse. The Lord lift up his face on you and give you peace. So again, we see an anthropomorphic use here. And for the Lord to lift up his face on you, to lift up his face towards you even, or to look upon you, is basically an anthropomorphic way of saying that God would give his attention to you. That God would, you know, a lot of times we feel when we're living in this world, we feel that God may have forgotten us, that God does not know we exist you know, it's nothing worse than feeling alone, that you're forgotten, that you're neglected, that no one pays attention to you. You want to know that someone has, a, has their attention upon you. And even if you don't know it, rest assured that God has his attention on his people. On the pe- his people. Sometimes after service, you may see my kids running around here in this room roaming around, and he may not, you probably don't even notice them, uh, I would guess, because there's so many kids roaming around, it's really neat to see, and they're interacting with their friends, kind of running around here, this room and that, uh, not on the stage, of course, um, and some of you, and, and, um, and some of you, they might interact with, but it's, it's a room full of people, and if you're a parent, you kind of know, that's kind of a spooky time, having your kids running around in a room full of people, even though I love all of you, and I trust all of you, of course, but still, it is a room full of people, and uh, there's lots, and they're, they're not, I don't know everybody that's here, and so. You can always be sure, at least for my children, there are generally going to be two faces in this room that always have their face lifted up towards those children. You know, not literally, physically, but there's always these two individuals. You can guess who they are. Um, They're always looking and mindful of where those children are at, what they're doing, where they're roaming around, who they're interacting with, because they have our attention. And as they and and we as we have our attention, we are looking at, and we are always constantly looking out for their safety and well-being, because we, well, we love them. we they belong to us. The people of God need to know that whatever they're doing, wherever they're about, whatever's going on, even if you're not aware of it, the Lord lifts up His face upon you. The Lord has His attention upon you as you belong to Him. You have His full attention. You say, How can He do that? When he has my full att- if He has His full attention on me, how can He have full attention on anybody else? Because God is God and He is infinite. He's omnip- omnipresent and omnipotent and he can have his full attention on you as he can have full attention on you as he can have his full attention on you and you and countless people and millions and billions of people around the world. God has his atten- can have his attention on all sorts of people because God is all-powerful and all-knowing. And when God has his attention, when the Lord lifts up his face upon you and gives his attention and his attention on you, the result is, Peace, and that's, the, that's the, the second aspect of the request, that the Lord give you peace. Hebrew Shalom, a word which means a, a, a wide gamut of things. One commentator writes this. It means peace, prosperity, completeness, health, safety, general well-being, and so on. It's just a wide description. It is described as the, the state of fulfillment that results of, from God's presence, that God is that God is present in your life, that God has his attention upon you, and it's that state of being fulfilled in him. David would write in Psalm, and this, is, uh, and this is something that God promises for his people. Psalm 29, verse 11, the Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. God promises peace to his people, and that's why he asked the priest to pray this, invoke this upon the people of God. See, the priestly prayer is a, is a prayer of blessing that recognizes that the Lord is the source of, of all blessing. All blessing comes from the Lord. And his blessing is for his people's protection, for his people's provision, and it's for his people's peace. But that's Israel. What about the people of God today? What about you and me? We are a people of God, but how can we be sure that we too have the blessings of the Lord? Can we expect this blessing? The answer is yes. Because these blessings are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Even as we read in the, in the, in the Beatitudes, even as we sung in our songs this morning, in particular, our second song, the blessings of the Lord are fulfilled ultimately in Jesus Christ by, in our salvation. Our greatest danger to us is not earthly things, it is sin. We need protection from the sin and the judgment of the wrath of God. And that comes through faith in the Lord, uh, what Jesus has done for us. Our our greatest need is is not earthly earthly, uh, food and water, though God has promised to give us, mm, to meet our daily needs as well. But beyond that, he gives us everything we need for life and godliness. He gives us all spiritual blessings that we need. God provides for us in Jesus Christ. And peace, well, he gave us the Prince of Peace who came and offered up his life so that we who were God's enemies might be able to have peace with God through the mediator, his son, Jesus Christ, who died in our place and rose from the grave. That's how we have peace. It's a peace that is with God. It's a peace that we can have with others, And it's a peace that surpasses understanding. It's a peace in the midst of trials and afflictions. And it's our hope as those who belong to God. We have the hope of God's protection, provision, and peace. It doesn't mean the absence of problems in our life. There there are trials and afflictions in this living in a fallen world. Some of it is the consequences of our own personal sin. And God disciplines and and chastens those whom he loves and he will bring those kind of things. But in the face of all the trials and afflictions in in this fallen world, God provides the blessing of his protection, his, his constant protection, provision, and peace because he's promised to bless. He's promised to shine his face on us. He's promised to lift his face towards you, toward us but it is only for those who belong to him. This is affirmed by our last observation in, in our text, and that is the priestly prayer it is a prayer of blessing, that is a blessing that comes in his name. It's a blessing that comes in his name. We see this in verse 27. We read in verse 26, chapter 6. So they, that is the priest, shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel, and I then will bless them. I then bless them. Here we see the explanation from God Himself of why He instructs the priests to bless the sons of Israel with this, the prayer of verse 24 to 26. And in so blessing the Israelites, in this pronouncing this threefold prayer of blessing upon God's people, God was basically stamping upon them their identity as belonging to Him. He says, The Lord bless you. The Lord make, a lift, make his face shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. It is the Lord who is the one who is doing the blessing, and you belong to him. He's reminding them of their identity as those who belong to God. In the Hebrew of this text, it literally says they, will, it says they invoke my name, but it literally says, and they will put or they will place my name on the sons of Israel. That's a better picture. It's like, it's like putting a... a the name of the Lord on the people of God as a prayer. You know, it's obviously figured, we're talking figuratively speaking. But it's invoking God's name. It's reminding them. It's the Lord whom this blessing comes from. And it's for the Lord's people. God's blessing is not just for anybody. It is for those who belong to him. As his chosen nation, whom he redeemed out of, rescued out of Egypt, the Israelites belong to him. Remember Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 to 6? The Israelites were called. They were his own possession. God's, but they belonged to him. They were chosen to, him, to be to him a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God's blessing is for them. And so when the priests pray this prayer, they're reminding every Israelite that blessing comes from the, long, from the Lord and they belong to the Lord so that they can be assured of receiving God's blessing. And if what's more, God emphatically promises to give them this blessing. In the last phrase of verse 27, and I will bless them. But literally, in the Hebrew, I love the Hebrew because it just uses so much more detail there. He says the addition of the personal pronoun I, and there's it's usually not implied by the verb, but when you put it there, it emphasizes, emphasizes it. It says, it's almost as like the Lord says, emphatic says, I myself will bless them. I'm telling you, priests, to bless them with this prayer, but I want them to know that it is that it is my name that is being pledged upon them. It's because of my name that they are being blessed. And I want them to know that it is I myself who will bless them. The blessing comes from the Lord. God promises to do so for the, his people. Blessing does not come from repeated prayer. We're connecting back to our introduction now. It does not come, back, come through repeated prayer. That's, that's not how God will bless his people, though it is good to continually and faithfully and pray to the Lord to express our dependence upon God and express our faith in him. God does not, uh, in a sense, give blessing because of, simply because of faithful or, or, or consistent prayer. God's blessing comes, according to this text, through one's identity as belonging to the Lord, as those I, who identify with his name. And when you and I believe in Jesus Christ, you identify with his name. You outwardly took a step of obedience. What was the first thing you did when you, got, when you became a believer? You obeyed the, the Great Commission and got baptized, right? By the way, if you didn't do that, there's an opportunity to rectify that. Okay, we have a baptism. Okay, I'm going to plug that right now. Sign up. Right here. Right here. If not, um, we can get you baptized somewhere else, outside of the, uh, at Lake Merced, if you'd like. Okay. Uh, that would be hmm, different. But we'll do it. And when you got baptized, and Moni, I hope you're all, those of you who are believers here, Jesus Christ, you, you were baptized, okay? All right, we're not a Baptist church, but you know, we, we do believe in baptism here. Okay? Baptism. You were baptized in what? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Because when you got baptized, it wasn't what saved you, but it was an outward symbol of what you believed on the inside. It was a sign of your confession of faith. And when we, you, you publicly got baptized, you publicly identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I identify with the name of the triune God. I identify with the Father who sent the Son, who died on the cross for my sins, who went up to heaven and, and sent us his Holy Spirit. I identify with God's provision for my salvation through his son. The Lord is this, you're, you're acknowledging that you belong to him. You don't have to twist God's arm. To give you a blessing. My children don't have to twist my arm. I buy them things that probably aren't good for them, even without twisting my arm. How much more I, I want to give them things that are good for them, that are a blessing to them. You don't have to prove yourself worthy to receive God's blessing if you belong to Him. You belong to Him. The Lord is the source of all blessing, He blesses those who belong to Him. Each time and each time the worship of the Lord in, in, uh, in Numbers here approached the Lord and they heard that priestly prayer, the priestly prayer, they were reminded that blessing comes not from how they conduct themselves, though there are the consequences of that, part of the Mosaic Covenant for them, but blessing comes to those who belong to the Lord, to him. And you and I today have the hope of blessing because we belong to him also. He called us not because of anything we did or will ever do, but because he called us to himself and we responded by faith in his son. We received his blessing. We receive his blessing as we do our salvation by faith in the promise of God. It's not even that you need a great amount of faith to receive the blessing of the Lord. You you just need the great promises of God and the little mustard seed faith. His blessings means he will protect, provide, and give us his peace throughout the days that we wander on this earth until, we call, until he calls us home. These blessings are ours through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, let me conclude then and just wrap it up. These are things we learned from the priestly prayer of the nature of the Lord's blessing, and not only for the, they, they manifested in a very specific ways for the nation of Israel as they wander in the wilderness. But those blessings in its ultimate fulfillment are ours through faith in Jesus Christ, mediated to us through Christ. They are blessings that come from the Lord, not because of anything we have done, but purely because of what Christ has done. They're blessings that are ours, and ours are for certain, not because of, of anything, of a, a repeated prayer, not because of a righteous life, not because of anything we promise to do, but it's simply because we are, we are those who belong to him. That is the blessings that we have. And that's why we sing of God's grace. We sing of God's, this unmerited favor that he pours out upon us richly through Christ Jesus. The problem is, a lot of us are seeking for blessings that are not the blessings of the Lord. And a lot of times we even go to the Lord seeking those blessings. We go to him thinking the blessings are maybe uh, some material thing, a car, a house. Uh, some some other material thing. Sometimes we go to Lord, thinking the blessing is a relationship. We think it's we think it's maybe a, a right a friend, a spouse. We think it's maybe a, a a right relationship with people in our lives. But the God, the blessing that God gives promises is a blessing of a right relationship through Him, a relationship, a relationship with Christ, with Him through Christ. And these blessings are salvation and all that is entailed within it for life in this world until God calls us home. What kind of blessing are you seeking? Are you seeking the blessings of the, of the Lord? And then whom are you seeking that blessing from? Are you seeking it from him? Are you seeking blessings from in other ways? A lot of times we seek blessings in, in from other people Maybe we're not even seeking from the Lord. Maybe you've been seeking blessings and now you are arrived in this room and for the first time you've heard about Jesus Christ. And if this blessing that we're talking about, the blessings of salvation and, and and the protection and provision and peace that comes through in Christ, or something that you're looking for, that God has been drawing you to himself, then today you can have certainty that you can receive this blessing through faith in his son. Today, you can acknowledge your sin that has separated you from God. Today, you can acknowledge how you can do nothing to rectify that sin. You're you helpless against the sin. And today, you can ask, and ask God to give you salvation through his son that you would receive what God has provided for you, us, all of us, and you in his son who died in your place for your sins and rose from the grave. Brothers and sisters, may we, may we, as we walk away from here, not walk away, away not thinking that here is a prayer, that we pray for 30 days that we're going to receive a breakthrough to blessing. But when we walk out here, we remember from this, we learn from this prayer that blessing comes from the Lord, mediated through our great high priest, Jesus Christ, and that we make sure that we have placed our faith in him, that we belong to him, and that with that, we have the certainty of knowing that the blessings of the Lord are ours because he is a God who keeps his promises. He did it for Israel. He will do it for you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for uh, our time in your word. Thank you for reminding us of this this beautiful prayer of blessing that the priest prayed over Israel. And uh, we pray that as we've observed, made our observations of it, that we would learn the secret to our blessing. Blessing from you. A blessing not of this world, a blessing that is eternal, a blessing that is bound up in our faith in Jesus Christ, our identity in Christ. And we pray that we would uh, be a people of faith who continue to look to you always for that which we lack, that which we need, for the protection we need. For the peace we need. While we wander in this world. Until you call us home. Lord we praise you and thank you that you do so in because of your name. Thank you Father for the name that you have placed upon us. Thank you for calling us to yourself. Saving us. And that we would be your people. Thank you for your son. In whom all blessings flow. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.